Well, this Advent season, as we look forward to Christmas, we've been in a sermon series called The Advent Conspiracy, where together we've been conspiring, we've been plotting, we've been talking about how we can celebrate Christmas a little differently, maybe a little differently than our culture, so that Christ remains the center of our celebrations. And so the very first week we talked about how Jesus is the beginning and the end of Christmas and how we need to worship him fully. Last week we talked about how it's important to simplify our celebrations and spend less so that the focus remains on Jesus. And after talking about spending less last week, tonight, today I want to talk about giving more. Giving more. And now that might seem like a little bit of a contradiction to talk about spending less one week and then giving more the next week. But I believe that giving is a great way to celebrate Christmas. And so uh, I've received many, many great gifts over the years. I've given uh, a few great gifts. And, uh, but I was curious about what, what other people had received that were very meaningful gifts. So this week I was like, you know what, I'm going to do some research. And when pastors want to do research a lot of times these days and find out what people are really thinking, uh, you, you use the tools available. And so I went on Facebook and I just typed in, what's the most meaningful gift you've ever received? And the answers began pouring in as people told me about the most meaningful gift they've ever received. And some people, they uh, said the most meaningful gift was my child because their child was born on Christmas. I thought, you know what, that's a, that's a great answer. Uh, then other people, one of my friends, he said his mom gave him all of the family recipes on a little USB thumb drive one Christmas. I thought, you know, that's pretty good, right? That's, a, that's spending less. That's a great way uh, to give a gift. Um, somebody else said the year that their grandmother died, one of their family members took her favorite clothes and made a quilt out of them. And now during this time of the year, uh, they get to wrap themselves in that quilt and kind of feel that embrace. So I thought that was a, a pretty good one. But my favorite was a woman named Debbie. She goes to Griffin Methodist. She said that the most meaningful Christmas gift she ever received was from her husband. And it was when they had little kids and money was tight during that season of life for them starting out in their careers, he made her a little coupon booklet out of construction paper. And in it was one coupon each month for a different activity, like going on a hike, going out to dinner, going to a movie, different date nights. And he made her each month turn in that coupon and then they spent quality time together. And she said it was a gift that kind of gave throughout the whole year. And as I was browsing Facebook, reading all the answers, I kind of noticed something interesting and that is that nobody mentioned a Tickle Me Elmo, right? <laughs> nobody mentioned a Tickle Me Elmo. Nobody mentioned a Furby. Nobody mentioned a Nintendo DS as the most meaningful gift they've ever received. Um, somebody shout out the year you were born. 74. 1974, the most popular Christmas gift, Tonka Toy Trucks, right? Anybody remember Tonka Toy Trucks? Somebody else shout out their year. What? 63. That's the furthest it goes back, so that's good. <laughs> easy Bake Oven. Y'all remember the Easy Bake Oven? Right? Nobody mentioned an Easy Bake Oven. Nobody mentioned Beyblades or Furbies or any of these other types of gifts that we often stress about at Christmas. Instead, it was interesting to notice the thread throughout most of the gifts. And the thread was that they were relational gifts. They were gifts that had a personal connection to somebody else. And I think the reason why 
these gifts were so meaningful for these people is because these small gifts were a reflection of the greater gift that we celebrate at Christmas. The greatest gift God has ever given to us, the gift of himself. The past few weeks we've been looking at the different Christmas stories in Luke and in Matthew. We've heard about the angels and the shepherds, the magi, all those groups. But this morning I want us to look at John's beginning of Jesus' life. Because in the Gospel of John, he, he actually writes a, a lot differently than the other writers. I mean, they're giving details like we see at Return to Bethlehem with the Annunciation, Mary finding out she's going to give birth, the Nativity scene, the major but, manger. But John, he doesn't mention any of that kind of stuff in his account of Jesus' life. Instead, he starts a little bit differently. He uses images, he uses metaphors, he uses poetry to point us to the reason why we celebrate Christmas each year. So I want us to look at, at John's gospel beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1 this morning. So you have your Bible, you can open up to it, and I'll read it out loud. John writes this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself wasn't the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I told you it's a bit different than the other Christmas stories. And John, as he's writing his account of Jesus' life, he actually begins the same way Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 begins. In the beginning. But instead of talking about creation and the sun and the moon and the stars, earth and all of that stuff, he says something else. He says, in the beginning was the word. And John goes on to tell us the word was with God. The word was God. The word was light. Through the word, all things were made. And as John continues to write, we soon learn who this word he's talking about is. And the word is Jesus. And as John is using this kind of poetic philosophical language, what he's trying to do is point us to one of the deepest mysteries at the heart of the Christian faith. And that is the Trinity. The reality that God is one, yet God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here John tells us that, that Jesus was in the beginning. That Jesus has existed for all time. That through him all things were made. And he reminds us 
that when Jesus came into this world, he wasn't just a baby, he was also God. And in Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, his paraphrase, the message, he puts verse 14 like this, which I love. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And this verse really summarizes what Christmas is really all about. God giving us the gift of himself. His presence with us. Last night I was at the manger scene because I like to follow groups around during Return to Bethlehem incognito because people don't know I'm the pastor. So I just join in and I kind of try to experience it through their eyes for the very first time. And so I was at the manger and there was this quiet moment where there were some kids just staring at the baby Jesus. And this one little boy, he was just looking at the manger and he said, Jesus. Then his sister, I think it was his sister, was standing next to him and she was looking at the exact same thing and she said, God. And then the brother said, Granny, isn't Jesus God? And there in that moment, this, this probably second grader, he, he got this, this deep mystery at the heart of Christianity, that, that Jesus was fully man. He was born in our world, but he was also fully God. Jesus is God with us. The God who created everything stepped down out of heaven into our world. He humbled himself and came near to us. And now that might not seem like crazy and weird to you if you've grown up in church, but I mean, that's kind of a wild idea. It's kind of a wild idea that the God of the universe came as a baby and came as a person in our world. Because when you look at a lot of other world religions, they're about us trying to find our way to God and about us trying to access him and, and maybe even work our way up to him. But here at the heart of Christianity, we see a picture of a God who doesn't say, you know what, you need to come up to me. We see a God who climbs down, a God who comes near to us, who moves into the neighborhood and begins transforming the world. Christmas is about God's presence with us. And God's presence with us as we look at Christmas and we continue throughout the Gospel of John, we see that, that the presence of God was a very personal Thing in people's lives. I mean, when Jesus walked this earth, he didn't, you know, stay far off in some temple that was hard to get to that you had to go through on some long journey in the wilderness. God's presence wasn't relegated to some statue somewhere. God's presence was in the person of Jesus. And as Jesus walked this earth, people loved Jesus. People loved Jesus. They loved interacting with him. He loved listening to people. He loved noticing people. He loved talking with people. He loved healing people. Jesus loved people. And people that, that were difficult, that were hard to love, that the world said, you know what, forget them. Those people were the people who were most drawn to Jesus. His presence was full of love. It was personal for other people. And as he met them, he gave them a message. He said, look, the kingdom of God has come near. 
The king has come. There is going to be an end to injustice. There is going to be an end to wars. There is going to be an end to sin. There is going to be forgiveness, a kingdom without end. He said, I've come once. I'm going to return again. And as he talked to people and gave them this message, it was a very cosmic message that everything was changing in the world. But when he talked to people, he also gave them a very personal message. And he said, everything's changing in the world, but I want everything to change for you and your family. And so he would touch them and he would heal them. He would forgive individuals of their sins. He proclaimed good news for the world and for their individual worlds. And his presence began to change people. And if you were to sum up the good news of Jesus in one sentence, it's kind of hard, but, but you might say something like this, that, that God loved the world so much that it came into the world. He came here to do for the world what the world couldn't do for itself. Or to put it more personally, God loves you so much that he came in the person of Jesus Christ to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. See, Jesus came into this world not, not to be served as some kind of king like we think of, but to serve other people and to lay down his life for other people as a ransom. Because in the beginning, I mean, when we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, everything was good. There was light. There was love, but soon sin entered the picture. People began to, to sin against God and to say, God, you know what? We don't care about you. We're going to do what we want. Brokenness entered the picture. Darkness entered the picture. People began harming one another. Sin infected and affected everything. And, and as God looked down at the world, he knew that we couldn't fix it on our own. He knew that we couldn't do enough good deeds to reverse the damage of sin. He knew that we couldn't fix it ourselves. We couldn't earn enough good love to get his forgiveness. He knew, and we know, that because God is a God of justice, that, that we rightly deserved a punishment for, for what we'd done to him and what we'd done to other people. We owed him a debt of honor, a debt of gratitude, a debt of obedience. We could never repay it. And so God, out of his mercy and compassion and love, said, you know what? I'm gonna come down out of heaven and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. The judge stepped down out of heaven and was judged in our place. He said, look, I, I'm gonna pay the debt for you. I'm gonna fix this relationship because you can't do it. And so God stepped into the world in the person of Jesus Christ so that we could be reconciled to God. So he was born. He lived a perfect life showing us how to live. He died on a cross, but the good news is that on the third day, he rose again. That's the good news of Easter. He ascended into heaven, preparing a place for all of us. The good news of Jesus is that he is God's presence with us. Jesus' love for each of us is very personal. It was very costly. And God's presence is something that he wants each of us to receive in our lives. This is the greatest gift you can receive. The gift of God's presence and reconciliation with him. But this gift isn't just something he wants you to receive. This gift of God's presence is also something that he wants you to give to other people. And that's why I want to encourage you 
this Christmas season to give more. Specifically, I wanna encourage you to give more of yourself to other people. To give other people in your life the gift of your presence because when you give other people the gift of your presence, what you're doing is you're also giving them a small reflection of the greatest gift ever, God's presence with us. And when we look back at the very first Christmas, we actually, we actually see the gift of presence being given. After the angel Gabriel visits Mary, uh, you can imagine Mary had a lot of questions. I mean, just try to put yourself in her shoes. Young, maybe 12 to 14, unwed, virgin. She finds out she's going to give birth to the Son of God. I mean, I'm having a baby sometime soon. There's a lot of questions in my mind. I can only imagine how many questions Mary had. How, how is this going to happen? What, what's birth going to be like? What's Joseph, my fiance, going to think about all of this? What is the town going to think? How, how am I going to deal with all of this? And in the midst of all of her questions, we read this in Luke's gospel. We read that at that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth, who was one of her relatives, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. That very first Christmas, Elizabeth gives Mary the gift of her presence. And I mean, here we, we just have like the front porch scene of their time together. And in this short time together, we already see Mary being blessed and encouraged and lifted up by her relative, Elizabeth, who is also pregnant with child. And I mean, think about this. So, so Mary's in her first trimester, Elizabeth is further along in the pregnancy and then we see the cost of the gift of her presence. They stay together, Luke tells us, for three months. Okay, imagine you're pregnant and then you're hosting an out-of-town family member for three months, right? That's a lot. The gift of presence can be costly. It can cost us our time. It can cost us our energy. It can cost us our agendas and what we were planning to do. But here, Elizabeth, she welcomes Mary. She gives her the gift of presence. And guess what? As she gives her the gift of presence, Mary experiences God's presence and his grace at work in her life. She's encouraged. She begins to sing a song of joy. She begins to remember that this God She's worshiping this God who has given her a child, that this God is worthy to be praised, that this is the God she is serving. We see this beautiful encounter of Elizabeth's presence blessing Mary. And this Christmas, I, I just want to tell you, your presence can be a blessing to somebody else. And your presence can be a reflection of God's presence to someone else as well. And this gift, you know what? It's, 
it's a little harder to give than just throwing an extra candle in your cart at Dollar General, right? It's a little more difficult to give than just like getting some candy and giving it to somebody and, and checking, okay, I gave them a gift off my list. Giving the gift of presents can be challenging. It can be costly, but it's worth it because it points them to God. And now you might be thinking, who wants my presence? Who wants your, you know, you might be thinking, you know what? People don't want to be around me. People don't care. But here's the thing. We were created for relationships. We were created for a relationship with God and we were created for a relationship with other people. And so your presence is a gift in other people's lives. It's a gift of love. And it can be a transformative gift. And even marketers now are, are realizing the gift of presence and how important a gift that can be. I mean, I don't know if any of y'all have seen the new Chick-fil-A commercial about together time. Anybody in here seen it? You can Google it. Chick-fil-A has a new ad campaign this Christmas saying, hey, give your family the gift of together time, spending time together. And Apple has, has been revamping a lot of their stuff around the same principle. Uh, Trey Lyon, who, who he and his wife are pastors, they go to our church. He works at the Apple store. And so he told me recently about a worldwide study Apple did across 58 countries where they have all their stores. And they asked some simple questions. They said, what are you looking for? What are you longing for? And what are you concerned about? Very general questions about life. And what Apple discovered across the 58 countries is there were three things that people answered when they kind of codified and organized all the information. People said, we're looking for a place to learn skills in a rapidly changing world. People said, we're looking for a place to express our creativity, which is interesting since we're created in the image of a creative God. And then the third one I want you to see is that they said people across the world answered that they are looking for real, physical human connection. Which is kind of funny, right, that Apple discovers this, the company that makes all these devices. And so Apple began changing things. So you notice if you check out at the Apple store, you don't do it at a kiosk or a screen. You do it with a person. When you come in, you're greeted by a person. They realize, you know what? People don't want to be trained by a computer. So now they have classes with live teachers. They began revamping everything, saying, you know what? People are important. They want the physical connection with other people because presence is a powerful thing. And actually at Return to Bethlehem, we revamped something this year on this principle. In our prayer room, we used to just say, hey, fill out a prayer card, put it in a basket. But this year we said, hey, fill out a prayer card and hand it to one of our prayer partners. And now we're praying for an exponentially larger number of people personally. We're laying hands on them and saying, hey, can we pray for you and what you're experiencing right now? This is a very powerful gift, the gift of your presence in other people's lives that can be transformative for them. And it's costly. It's a lot harder than giving some other gifts, but it is worth it. And during this Christmas season, maybe you're feeling this, but this is a season of celebration, but it's also a season of grief for many people. There are a lot of people who are grieving the loss of loved ones this year. It's their first Christmas without people. There are others who every year at this time, they remember the old traditions. They remember spending time with their family members. And so there's a downtroddenness that can enter in. There's a lot of people during this season, they're longing to be married. 
They're longing for children. They find themselves celebrating alone. And you have the opportunity to be love to them, to give your presence to them, to check on them and just say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, you know what? I'm having a Christmas celebration. I'd love for you to come and to join us. If they're not around now with the gift of technology, you can call them. You can reach out to them and give your presence to other people as a gift, as a gift of love. And if you have family around, one of the ways you can give the gift of presence is just by being present in the moment with them in the midst of the celebrations. I mean, now with, with telephones and everything, it's easy to get, get lost in videotaping people's reactions on Christmas morning and taking the per- perfect picture of the scene and, and getting lost in our phones and lost at work and other things. I came across this Christmas card I thought was a pretty good illustration this week. There it is. I mean, it's easy for this to be our Christmases as we just kind of disconnect from reality and say, you know what, I just need, I need a break. But this Christmas, you can give others the gift of your presence. But this isn't a gift that has to be reserved for just this time of the year. This is a gift you can give to people every single day. As you're present with them, as you listen to them, as you talk with them, as you sometimes you just sit in a hospital room with them and you don't say anything at all. As you check up on them, this is a gift of love. And some of you might have seen this other picture uh, recently in the news or maybe you saw the video of it happening, but this is a picture of a kindergarten class in a courthouse, which isn't, you know, the field trip kindergartners take every day. But the kindergartners were there on a field trip in support of one of their fellow students named Michael. This is in Grand Rapids. And Michael that day was in family court. He was in the foster care system and he was being adopted that day. And so after his adoptive parents and the kindergarten teacher began to talk, she said, hey, what would it be like if our kindergarten class came and expressed love for Michael in the courtroom and supported him with our presence that day. And so they all went and uh, they had little hearts on sticks as as they just wanted to show, hey, we're with you, we're for you, we're here on this monumental day. And you can just see him when you watch the videos, you can see little Michael just beaming with joy experiencing the love of his friend's presence in his life. And you can, ex- you can see the love that he feels as he- he's receiving the gift of adoption and he's experiencing the presence of new parents in his life. The gift of presence is a gift of love. And at Christmas, when you give relationally, when you give more sacrificially, when you give more thoughtfully, when you give more of yourself to other people, you're reflecting, even if it's in a small way, the greatest gift ever, the gift of God's presence with us. It's a gift we can give, but first, it's also a gift that God wants us to receive. 
And I love how John puts it in his gospel. Verse 12, he says, to all who did receive him, to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so John, throughout his gospel, he tells us how we can receive the gift of God's presence in our lives. He says to receive Jesus and everything that he brings in your life, all you have to do is to believe in him. To open up your heart to Jesus, the fullness of God's love, receive him and let him transform you from the inside out. And some of you, maybe you're here today and you've never opened up your heart. Maybe you've been scared. Maybe you've been scared of what God might do if you really let him in your life and you really say, God, you can have control and you can be the king of my life. Maybe, maybe some of you have been scared. Maybe you've heard this message a million times. But this Christmas, you want it to be different. Maybe you're tired. You're tired of your old way of life and you're looking for new life, true life, abundant life that Jesus gives now and you're looking for life with God in eternity. John says all we have to do is to believe in him. Invite him in and he will transform us. And so this morning as we close, I I, want to invite you to bow in a word of prayer. And as we bow for prayer, I mean, if that's you this morning, if you feel like you've heard this message, you know about God, but maybe you've never really opened up your life to God, I simply want to invite you to pray in your own words a simple prayer. To just say, God, thank you for your presence in our world. Thank you for your presence in my life. I want you to live inside of me and I want you to lead me. I'm tired of doing life on my own. I want forgiveness. I want forgiveness for my sins and I want new life that you offer now and I want life with you forever. I'm gonna take just a moment. But if you've never received that gift, I invite you to just pray and just talk with God in the stillness of this morning. might be others of you here who are who are saying I, ju- I just don't believe any of this and if that's you we're, we're so glad that you, you're here this morning and I invite you to just pray simply Jesus help my own belief help me believe and if you're here and you've received this gift of God's presence in your life before I just invite you to pray a prayer like this. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your presence in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Help me give more of myself away to other people. Let's just have a moment of silent prayer together.
God, we thank you that you haven't left us alone in this world. We thank you that you've given us yourself, your love, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, hope, peace, love, joy. Thank you for giving your son Jesus Christ for us and so that we could experience salvation. We could experience the life we were created to live. So God, all the silent prayers in our hearts, all the prayers that are being offered to you today, tonight on our property through return to Bethlehem, God, we ask that you would answer them, that you would meet us with your presence and you would give us exactly what we need. And we ask all of this in Jesus' holy name.